0: Good morning, everyone. Nice to have you. Nice to have one person awake today. Everybody asleep today? You guys feeling okay? Okay. You're going to have to prove it. Last week, I realized that reading the Bible without my glasses wasn't going to work. So in order to prepare you for what it's going to look like so you don't freak out, this is what it's going to look like while I read today, okay? Okay. This is the worst day of my life. (laughs) So when you're young, you realize that it's coming, but you're not quite sure what it's going to be. And when you get there, you don't know how you're going to respond. And I'm not going to lie. I'm not responding very well. We're continuing our sermon series, uh, Kings and Prophets. We talked about Saul. We've talked about King David. We talked about the difference between the two men, right? How David was a man after God's heart. Not because he was more righteous than Saul, but because he knew how to fail well. Remember that? He knew how to fail well. He had a heart of humility. He had a heart of submission to God. And what we're going to find as we go through the kings and the prophets is that we could talk about the same thing in some respect with most of the kings. Right? Their response mattered. Some had humility. Some did this and some that. What we're going to try to do is take away from each kind of interaction, something different that we can apply to our life because there's, there's a heart issue at the end of the day that made one king above another king. And we're going to look today about running through roadblocks. Yeah. And fortunately for you, this is about your friends and your neighbors, not about you. So, take notes for them so that you can share something with them later. Uh, there's this realization that I have about myself, right? I have been given everything that I need for my life in Jesus. I have been given forgiveness, salvation, hope for a future. I've been given his spirit. I've been given these amazing gifts to be used for his glory. I've been given so many things. I've been given provision and stability. And yet, somehow there are some things that I still want to do. Right? There's some things that I want to do along the way that sometimes clash. Like I know how not to follow God the right way. Uh, I, was, uh, I was engaged once before. I'm, you're about to get in my business, so don't be tweeting all this. This is I'm your family, so I'm trying to be honest. And I remember the process, right? I had been in this relationship with this girl for a long time. We both came to Christ, and I'm like, oh, this is gonna be great. And then it wasn't. And I remember we went to, I, it, because I knew the relationship should end, I asked her to marry me instead. Listen, I told you I know how to do it wrong. I'm just trying to share a little bit. I was scared that my life was going to be out of my control, so I decided I was going to keep it in my control. Right. I ran through a roadblock. I ran through a circumstance that was meant to steer me a different direction. And I willingly kicked that roadblock aside and kept on going. And then I had people telling me in my life along the way, as now we're engaged and we're starting to plan for a wedding, Right. People will be like, I would start asking people, what do you think? They're like, look, man, we, this is the answer I got more than anything else. We love you. We don't think it's right, but we'll love you no matter what. If you get a few of those, you probably need to stop where you are and have a little conversation with Jesus. I kicked that roadblock down, too. and I just kept on going. Because there was something in me that wanted it real bad. And then I get in the scriptures and I'd be, oh, Lord, speak to me. And I'd open the scriptures and he would he wasn't in the room, but he might as well have been because it was that clear. You know what I did? I don't need to do it. I kicked that one down and kept on going. And I just kept running through roadblock after. Now, fortunately, God is patient and he is kind He desires good things for his kids. And so he didn't just let it be one roadblock in my life. He kept trying to steer me. And because I'm stubborn, right, it took a little while. Circumstances, people, the scriptures and prayer, God kept trying to get my attention. Fortunately, I ended that two weeks before the wedding. I asked my wife to share that story just so you know. See, I know how to do it wrong. You ever do this like, you know, like God puts people and maybe circumstances and you're trying to and you try to ignore those things because we want certain things in our life. We've been given everything we need in Jesus. He wants to take us to these amazing places and do these amazing things, not for our sake, but for his to build the kingdom. Right. And he has given us everything that we need for life and godliness in Jesus. And yet we still want to do what we want. And there are these things that get put in our place. You'll read that scripture and be like, no, that's not for me today. You'll be like, oh, close that thing. Or you stop reading altogether because you don't want to hear it. You ever see like that in your life where you just, you don't even read the scripture because you don't even want to know what he has to say because you're afraid to tell you no? Know, you, you run through the roadblocks. People, he puts people, have you ever people come up and that you ask you start asking people, you start trying to like, Dad, when you're trying to facture what you're doing, you're trying to find the person to affirm your wrongdoing. Huh? You ever do that where you try to find the people? You ask 16 people and 15 people say, hey, I'll love you anyway, but we don't think it's a good idea. And you find that one person who's like, oh, yeah, you do you. See, I knew God wanted me to keep going. You kick down 15 roadblocks just to keep on going your way. Maybe you're in prayer and the Lord convicts you of something. You hear a sermon, you hear something in the scriptures like. We have these roadblocks that God puts in our life on purpose. This is what the prophets were doing for the nation of Israel and for the kings. God would use them to steer them. He would use them to direct them. He would use them to say, hey, stop going this way because what you want isn't what's best for you. I'd like you to go this way instead. And the thing about King Solomon that we're going to find here in just a second is that King Solomon grew accustomed to running through roadblocks. God showed him a few times that he needed to do it a different way. And it started out so good. He started out really well. I want to look at that. And I want you to see through this today how running through those roadblocks creates separation between us and God and us and others. There's always a problem with running through the roadblocks that God puts in our life as he's trying to steer us To be near him, right? The whole purpose is to be with him. Let's do this. Give you a little context. You can open up to 1 Kings chapter 10. But I want to give you a little background while you're doing that. We know that God told David. He gave him some promises, right? A promise to always uphold his kingdom. He would not fail to have a descendant on the throne. As long as they did what he wanted to. As long as the kings, his sons, would do what God wanted, right? And 2 Samuel 7 tells us about the promise of a messianic king. And then First, Second Kings, and all the way through, show one by one by one that they aren't it. Right? Solomon on, we see total failure. Right? Some are better than others, but it's the idea that none of these earthly kings are the messianic promise to come. Solomon, as we know, Solomon was the second son born to David and Bathsheba, right? We don't have to backtrack. We don't have kids today, but I'm not going to go ahead and revisit that. You all know what happened. The first son died as a consequence to their sin, and Solomon was born, and he happened to be the one that God used to fulfill the promise. Isn't that crazy? Think about that. In David's sin, there was consequence... Right, But even in his sin, God still used it for his purpose to accomplish his end game. That's grace and mercy shown. When you wonder, is there grace and mercy? He's a God of wrath in the Old Testament. He's still the God of mercy. Over and over again, he's still the God of mercy. Let's run through this real fast. I'm going I'm to ask you to run with me real quick. Flip back a few pages. 1 Kings chapter 2. Uh, this is rapid fire till, so we can get up to where we are, okay? I think it's really important. He said, Look, David gave Solomon a charge. He said, So be strong, because he's about to die, right? He says, look, be strong, show yourself a man, observe what the Lord your God requires, walk in his ways, keep his decrees and commands, his laws, requirements, as written in the law of Moses, so that you may prosper in all you do, wherever you go, that the Lord may keep his promise to me. If your descendants, listen, if your descendants watch how they live, and if they walk faithfully before me with all their heart and soul, you will never fail to have a man on the throne of Israel. You'll find this a lot in the scriptures. Or God says to people, if you will love and obey my commands, then this is how it's going to go. And it's always good. Like At the end game, like it's, it's like fulfillment and satisfaction, contentment. God does great things. You get to be a part of his work. If you will follow me and do these things. And then flip over to chapter three. This is, this is where we would really rather preach. I'd rather preach this sermon than the one we're about to. Because Solomon has this interaction with God. God shows himself to Solomon at Gibeah and he says, Solomon, in a dream, ask me for whatever you want. Now, this is how we normally treat God as a vending machine or a magic genie. We think that this is how all of our interactions with God are. You pray, all right, Lord, I'm going to do like Solomon, right? We rub we rub that magic lamp, God pops out, asks us for three wishes. That's not how it works. But in this dream, he asked Solomon, ask me for anything you want. Think about real quick what you would ask for. You know, you know the church answer, but I'm talking about the real answer deep down inside your heart. You know what Solomon asked for? He asked for wisdom and a discerning heart to lead God's people. And God says, hey, because you asked for this and not for money and honor and glory, I'm going to give you all those things also. He says, I'm going to add to your wisdom, right? And, and he was the wisest man. He wrote Psalms. He wrote Proverbs. He wrote he didn't write all of Psalms. He wrote Proverbs and he wrote Ecclesiastes. There's a lot of things that he wrote. Words of wisdom, showing his discernment, right? And then it goes into. Solomon's wisdom if you flip over to chapter 4 verse 29 God gave Solomon wisdom and very great insight a breadth of understanding as measureless as the sand on the seashore his wisdom was greater than the wisdom of all the men of the east greater than all the, the wisdom of Egypt he was wiser than any other man including Ethan the Ez- Ezrahite and then he became famous and then we're going to skip from 5 to 7:8 because he goes on to build the temple, right? He goes and builds a temple of God where God is supposed to reside with his people. And it's an amazing feat, right? It's meant to resemble Eden and this whole thing. And then he builds his palace. And then we come to chapter nine. This is gonna set us up for our time together. Go ahead and look at chapter nine. So before Solomon accomplishes all these great things, God appeared to him and had this interaction and he says, hey, if you'll just follow me, if you'll just do what I ask, right, I'm gonna give you all the things that you need. And he had everything. He had more money. He had more stuff. He had, he had great things that he did. He built this amazing temple. He built this amazing palace. And then in chapter nine, God, uh, the Lord appears to Solomon again. It says, when Solomon had finished building the temple of the Lord in the royal palace and had achieved all he desired to do, Think about that. If you'd finished all the things that you desired to do, all your ambitions and all your things, here's what it says the Lord said to him. He said, the Lord appeared to him a second time as he had appeared to him at Gibeon. Now he had given him some very clear direction up to this point. I've heard the prayer and plea you have made before me. I've consecrated this temple, which you have built by putting my name there forever. My eyes and my heart will always be there. If you want a comparison scripture, go read this very other famous passage that is usually used out of context, but let me tell you where it is. It's 2 Chronicles 7, 11 to 22. What you'll find there is that wonderful verse that we all use. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, so forth and so on. But you need to take it in context. Go and look at that in context of this and read the chapter before and after. It'll help. He says, So I've taken care of all the things you've done. And he says this now As for you, you, Solomon, king of my people. Now remember, we already know what the king is supposed to do, right? Submit to God, do what he tells you, don't go back to Egypt, don't, you know. Gather for your things, horses and chariots and make, make treaties with other nations. He says, I want you to be a man after my heart, essentially. Submit yourself to what I wanna do. As for you, Solomon, if you walk before me in integrity of heart and uprightness as David your father did and do all that I command and observe my decrees and laws, I will establish your royal throne over Israel forever as I promised your father. You shall never fail to have a man on the throne of Israel. It sounds simple, doesn't it? If you'll just do what I tell you and trust that my way is better than your way, it's all gonna work out. How many times have you told, when you were growing up, how many times your parents said, hey, listen, if you just do this, everything's gonna be okay, I promise. I got you covered. We'll take care of you. We'll get you where you need to go. How many times have you told your own kids this? Trust me, I have everything that you need. I'm gonna get you where you need to go if you just do what I tell you. (laughs) And it never works out, does it? It never works out. Because there's some... Issue of the heart that we have. We'll get to what that is in just a minute. So if you do all these things, just, just do what I say. When you come to Christ, submit yourself to me, right? Resist the devil, follow me. It's gonna be good. So easy. He says, but if you or your sons turn away from me and do not observe these commands and go off and serve other gods and worship them, then I will cut off Israel from the land that I have given them and will reject this temple that I have consecrated. Solomon has been given, just like his father David. Remember David, the reason he got in trouble? God said, I gave you everything, and if you needed more, I would have given it to you. And yet you decided to go to this one man who had a wife and take his wife because you didn't seem to have enough for yourself. Right? There was a heart issue. Now, David's response to the confrontation was what made him a man after God's heart. He humbled himself, he confessed his sin, he acknowledged God, and he moved on. Solomon has been given all of these already roadblocks. Do you know why God spoke to him directly about these things? Because God knows our heart already. Did you know that? God already knows what's inside us, and so he speaks to us intentionally through the things that he does because he knows what our heart is, right? If, you're, if your issue is power and fame, God will speak to you about that, trying to set up roadblocks so that you don't fall in that. God set this up for Solomon. Let's find out what happened. Chapter 10, verse 23. That was pretty quick. That was the nine chapters of 1 Kings. <clears throat> so Solomon appeared before And then he appeared after. And something is revealed in Solomon that we're going to get to. Here's what it says. King Solomon was greater in riches and wisdom than all the other kings of the earth. The whole world sought audience with him to hear wisdom God had put in his heart. People brought him articles of gold and robes and weapons and spices and horses and mules. He accumulated chariots and horses. Right? Solomon, verse 28 says, Solomon's horses were imported from Egypt, which is specifically a disobedience Did you know that? God said, you shall not rely on Egypt for anything if you are gonna be king over Israel. They also exported them for the kings of Hittites and the Arameans. He made treaties and he made relations with foreign nations that God said, you shall not have relations with these nations anymore. Everything that you read about what the king is supposed to be about and not be about, Solomon disobeyed. He had all the success, power, fame, glory, finances, and provision, and yet his character is what kept him from upholding his place as king. There's a a book, it's called 21 Indispensable Qualities of a Leader. I don't talk about leadership books very often, just because the Bible's a pretty good one. But there's valuable things, right? And uh, he writes this about in this character chapter, the first chapter, it says people cannot rise above the limitations of their character. People cannot rise above the limitations of their character. And here's what it says briefly, and we'll move on. Have you ever seen highly talented people suddenly fall apart when they achieve a certain level of success? People that start humble beginnings and then they rise to fame and power and they crumble. It's happened to not just worldly leaders, but pastors. Pastors. Right? Men and women all over the world who started small and couldn't handle it because their character had crumbled. The key to that phenomenon is character. Right? There's a psychologist at Harvard. He wrote this book, and it says that people who achieve great heights but lack the bedrock character to sustain them through the stress are headed for disaster. He believes they are destined for one or more of the four A's, arrogance feeling a painful feeling of aloneness, destructive adventure-seeking, or adultery. Each is a terrible price to pay for weak character. Solomon's character is what failed him when he was given everything. Here's what it says. King Solomon, however, chapter 11, after he had all these things, his heart loved many foreign women besides Pharaoh's daughter, Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidians, and Hittites—those nations sound familiar to you. These are all nations who have been at war with Israel, who they were supposed to annihilate at the conquest, anyway. He made alliances with dangerous country people, who, and the reason wasn't uh, for any other reason except they were going to lead him astray, and they would lead the nation astray. It says they were from nations about which the Lord had told the Israelites, you must not intermarry with them because they will surely turn your hearts after their gods. Have you ever been in a relationship with somebody who turns your heart away from God? Maybe a business partner, you know, in, in the, the harder cases, uh, it's a, a boy girl relationship. I see this all the time. Listen, they call it missionary dating where you're believing you gonna try to save them by being in a relationship with them. It doesn't work very often. You know what they say? If somebody's, you know, if you're up here and you go to try to pull somebody up, what's gonna happen most likely? You get pulled down. He's saying, listen, the people who are not walking in my ways are gonna lead you to not walk in my ways. That's why he said, don't go after them. Nevertheless, listen, Nevertheless, roadblock after roadblock after roadblock after roadblock, person after person, scripture, he has the word, he has history, he has his father, he has Saul. It's not like Solomon hasn't heard the stories. It's not like he doesn't already know the information given to him. And he says this, nevertheless, Solomon held fast to them in love. And in the next scripture I'm about to read, you're going to be like, I thought that wasn't okay. It's not okay. Just because it's history doesn't mean it's okay. Just because it's in the Bible, God is telling us truth about the circumstances. It's not about his affirmation of the behavior. Does that make sense? You know what? He had 700 wives of royal birth, right? So he, those were marriages with other countries. It was all political for him. It was to establish his kingdom and his rule. And 300 concubines and his wives led him astray. As Solomon grew, as he grew old, his wives turned his heart after other gods, and his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God. See, this is what happens when you run through roadblocks, when you ignore counsel, when you say no to the scriptures, when you refuse to listen to the things and people, circumstances, and scripture that God puts in your life to steer you towards him. You cannot be fully devoted to your way and his way at the same time. And this is what happened to Solomon. Solomon's heart was led astray. And it gets worse. It says he followed Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidians, and Molech, the detestable god of the Ammonites. So Solomon did evil in the eyes of the Lord. He did not follow the Lord completely as David, his father, had done. Verse nine says, the Lord became angry with Solomon because his heart had turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel, who had appeared to him twice. Although he had forbidden Solomon, roadblock, to follow other gods, Solomon did not keep the Lord's commands. He kicked it aside and he kept on running. So the Lord said to Solomon, since this is your attitude, listen, since this is your attitude and you have not kept my covenant, my decrees, which I commanded, I will most certainly tear the kingdom away from you and give it to one of your subordinates. We'll get to the rest in a second. Nevertheless, Johnny, don't go that way. Nevertheless, Johnny went that way. Hey, Johnny, I want you to not be in this relationship. Nevertheless, Johnny kept on running through the roadblocks. Hey, Johnny, I, I, I want you to do these things. Nevertheless, Johnny did it his way. We're not much different, right? We have destructive alliances and destructive ambitions. And if we're not careful, our character comes into question because we keep running. See, here's the problem. When you run through a roadblock, your heart gets hard. And then it gets easier to run through the next one and your heart gets hard. And then 15 years later, you look back and you're like, I feel so away from God. I wish he would come near me. And it has nothing to do with God's desire, but your unwillingness to stop and go back towards him. And this was Solomon. He just, nevertheless, he allowed his heart to be, he just kept on going. And it's not that God wasn't trying. See, we also have this thing that we do as people, We believe that it's God's job to stop us from sinning. Now, we would never say that out loud, but this is what our actions dictate a lot of times. Right, we get mad at God for not stopping us from sinning. Well, he's been trying to stop you. He sent a prophet. He sent his word. He sends people and circumstances talk to you in prayer. He's giving you scripture. You know, you heard that worship song that spoke directly to your circumstance. God, I don't know why I can't stop. Well, because you keep kicking your roadblock to the side and keep on running. And every time we do that, it affects our hearts. It affects our character. And after a while, we end up separated and far off as Solomon did. And he was walking in total disobedience. It wasn't like he made a a mistake or two. He just kept on and kept on. And he got this warning message, you know. He said, you're going to give it another If a person won't listen to the word, those roadblocks, the Lord will have to take more drastic measures. And he does, doesn't he? You can go read Romans 1. Romans 1 talks about how the wrath of God is against all mankind because we always consistently kick aside the roadblocks. This is why Jesus had to come, right? This was the final fix to the problem. And Romans 1 talks about how because people would not listen and kept running through those roadblocks, it says that there's this one phrase. I was going to read it, but we don't have time. It says that he gave them over to their sinful desires. Most people use that scripture for a particular group of people, which is inaccurate because it talks about gossip and slanderers and liars and people who disobey their parents. (laughs) Nobody talks about those parts. He gave them over. See, because God is not required to get you to stop sinning. He gave you a will so that you would love him on purpose because you're not built to be robots. And Solomon used his free will to kick down those roadblocks. And then here's here's an amazing thing. Since this is your attitude, he says, I'm doing this other thing. And this is interesting. Verse 12, nevertheless, for the sake of, your, uh, of David, your father, I will not do it during your lifetime and I will not even take the whole kingdom out of your hand. It's interesting, he said, the nevertheless for Solomon was to keep on sinning, the nevertheless for God was to show grace and mercy. Right When we use the nevertheless to kick the roadblocks aside and keep on sinning, God takes the nevertheless and says, nevertheless, I'm going to show you mercy and grace. In fact, he shows the greatest nevertheless when he sends Jesus. You guys are sinful. You're set apart from me because of your sin. Nevertheless, I will send you my son whom I love, and whoever believes in him will have eternal life. God's nevertheless and our nevertheless are different. And even in our... Rejection, God continues to show his kingdom and his glory. Running through roadblocks leaves us at odds with God and with others. Pushing through the conviction that God gives us to sin deeper never turns out right. When we persist in sin, God may have to turn us over. There's lots of things you can probably fill in there. I want to give you something to take home with you because we all know that roadblocks are there, right? People that he puts in our life, right? Circumstances, right? You, you like when you when you go and, and you are searching to do something wrong, and like the internet doesn't work, but it always worked the rest of the day. Or, or when you're going to make that purchase, I've done this before. I was like, I had in mind, I'm going to buy those two hundred dollar pair of shoes. Now I don't have a problem if you're going to buy two hundred dollar pair of shoes. That's no big deal. I'm not going to say anything about it. But I knew that I needed to. Like maybe you didn't tie that month instead. And what ends up happening is you go and like the shoes aren't there. So then you go to the next store and the shoes aren't there either. And you're like, kick that thing down. I'm gonna get those shoes. (laughs) Try to order on Amazon and they don't have your size. You know, there's so many different, there's so many specifics to our lives that happen. Maybe in prayer, you feel deep conviction or you read the scriptures and it's very clearly directed to you. When you find yourself at a roadblock, whether circumstance, scripture, person, or in prayer, we have to stop And assess what to do. If you're taking notes, you can take notes here. Stop, S-T-O-P. In order to not nevertheless ourselves into further sin and separation from God, here's what I want to offer. The first thing is you have to sell out to God's ways. The scripture says in Isaiah 55 that his thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. They're higher than ours right? In the New Testament, it talks about every day, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow him, denying what you want and submitting yourself to what he wants. Stop, sell out to God's ways. If you want to continue to be a man or woman after God's heart as David was and not persist in your sin as Solomon did, the second thing is the S is sell out to God's ways. The T is to take a minute, most of the reason is that we're running so hard and so fast, we don't stop. We don't take a minute to assess what's actually going on. We don't pay attention to the roadblocks. Count the long-term cost of your decisions. Listen to the people that he's put in your way. Proverbs that Solomon wrote. Listen to this. Proverbs fifteen twenty-two says, "Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors they succeed." Proverbs sixteen two. All a man's ways seem innocent to him, but motives are weighed by the Lord. Sell out to God's ways. Take a minute. The second, or the O is observe the word and let it be your guide. Solomon had a prophet. We have all the prophets. We have 66 books of inspired word of God. We have the, the benefit of all of this, we have the benefit of godly people around us. Observe it, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock, Matthew 7, 24. S-T-O and the P is pride will kill you. Pride will kill you. Your nevertheless isn't as good as what God has for you. Your way isn't as good as what God has for you. Here's what it says. Pride will kill you. When pride comes, then comes disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom, Proverbs eleven two. Pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall, Proverbs 16, 18. We prayed this morning for everybody in this room and who will come next hour to remember this, that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because I know when we talk about things like this, it highlights some stuff in us that we don't like to see. And the reality is there's nothing we can do to try harder or to do it better on our own. We have to rely on the power of God's spirit through the work of Jesus Christ on the cross and the power of the resurrection in order to do these things. If we're going to sell out to God's ways and we're going to take a minute and have wisdom there, we're going to observe the word as our guide and we're going to operate in humility. None of those things happen just because we want them to. We have to have a relationship with God through Jesus right? His nevertheless. If you want to be someone who will stop and turn towards God as David and others did, we have to submit ourselves to Jesus first. And I would be remiss to tell you what that means. Most of you are Christians. Most of you have accepted the forgiveness that God has for us in Christ. If you've been running though through roadblocks and you don't know Jesus, the idea is this, that everybody's in the same boat. The Bible says all have sin and fallen short of his standards and that we can't do anything to earn our way into heaven or into relationship with him. He says, so in order to fix the problem, he sent Jesus Christ, his son, perfect sacrifice, perfect man to live the perfect life and when he died on the cross, what he was doing is this, this amazing, mysterious switcheroo. He took on our sin and became sin so that those who believe in God would be the righteousness of God. And it says he gave us hope in a future as we walk in him. Today, stop. If you're running through the roadblock, stop. And turn around. Take the word, Remember his ways are more important. Take a minute, assess your life and don't let pride be the thing that keeps you from walking with him. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time. I do ask God that you would let your word sink in. Father, anything that is not from you that it would fade away and not be remembered, God, but that everything that you would have for us today uh, would sink deep. Thank you for Jesus and the work of the cross and ask God that that would be made real to us